ACT respectfully acknowledges the traditional landowners, the Ngunnawal and Ngambri people whose land we are working on today and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We also acknowledge and pay our respects to the Aboriginal people who draw their ancestral lines from this land. I'm Emily Muir and today we'll be talking about mental health with our community liaison officer, Ashlyn Mikulic. And what is your role at Legal Aid ACT? Um, so I am, I'm the mental health liaison officer. I also have a focus on family violence and people going through various legal processes like family law, child protection, along with the family violence aspect. So my role is to help people um, go through these processes, understand these processes a little bit more. I can do some of the background work with the person about their legal matter or even just life related stuff like whether they've got whether they need help with accommodation or finances or um, maybe they're having tr trouble with education and employment or Centrelink or housing or all of these different things that might go into a person's life that are probably going to affect their legal matter. So my official title is the FAS, Family Advocacy and Support Service, Mental Health Liaison Officer. And you're part of the commu Community Liaison Unit, is that right? Yeah. Okay, so what does the Community Liaison Unit do generally? So generally our role is to help people with, we call it the non-legal side of things, so it might be some of those things that I mentioned earlier, but just helping with the life-related needs, whether that's you know housing, accommodation, child protection needs, trying to communicate with different services, family violence, or even just helping people communicate with their lawyers or vice versa. And we have a few different specialties within the team. So we, like for example, our supervisor, Yasmin, she is a qualified social worker. So she's the only qualified social worker in the team. The rest of us are just generally community services workers. So we've got Yasmin, who's, she is a social worker and has a background working with people who've got alcohol and other drug support needs. We've got Tim, who works primarily with men who use family violence and he works as a, a men's advocate or a men's family advocate. Then we've got, we actually have a social work student with us, Kai, she's been very helpful. And we've got Hassam and Fatima, our cultural liaison officers. So they, they're pretty good at helping people with, who've come from like recent migrants, refugees, people who their cultural needs might pose a barrier to the legal system. And then we've got Angela, our disability liaison officer. She's um, got a background working in disability employment services and she, like the, the disability needs, again, a very important one as the other ones are as well. She can help people with NDIS applications or, or referring them to their local area coordinator to try and understand the process, what's out there, who can help, who does what and helping make sure that the access needs of the person are met. So maybe it's a person with an intellectual disability, maybe they have a guardian that needs to be involved in the process, or maybe they don't have a guardian, but recently, you know, with maybe someone's deaf and they need a, a deaf interpreter, maybe someone's deaf and has cultural needs, then she'll work with Fatima or Hassam to try and make sure all those needs are met. We've got Felicity and Raina, our Aboriginal liaison officers, and then there's me. You speak about services. 
and links with services. What mm. kind of services have you been in contact with here at Legal Aid or helped clients with? Um, so a few, it's, it's very common for me personally that I will help people connect with mental health and wellbeing services. So that might be letting them know about the GP mental health care plan pathways where they can get a certain number of free bulk billed psychologist appointments or maybe that's helping them link up with a counsellor or link up with some trauma counselling through victims of crime or directing them to head to health helping them and it's not just saying here's a service off you go it's saying here's the information do you want to do it and I'll check back with you do you want me to call them or do you want to call them together and I find that calling them together called a warm referral sometimes can be a better option so I help link people with mental health and wellbeing services. I can help them talk to different domestic violence services, alcohol and other drug services. Like it's quite common that people don't know the pathways that are out there and the services that are out there. A really common one is OneLink, who's Canberra's central accommodation service provider. Food banks are really useful for people to know about and people often don't know about them. Different case management services that might be able to help people for a longer time than we can or for, for things that aren't related to their legal matter. So like the Red Cross Birth Parent Advocacy Services one, the financial counsellors are a really common one that we refer to. Different child and family agencies. There's, there's a lot of services out there that can help with lots of needs. And if there's not one specific to the needs, then usually it's about problem solving. What needs are there and how can we how can we make sure the person can get the help that they need to do the things that they're wanting to do? You do a bit of court support work as yeah. well, is that correct? Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so quite often I will support people in court, so I'll go along with them as really an emotional support person and be there to help them communicate with the lawyer, understand the legal processes. And beforehand, I find it really helpful to have contact with them to go through what it's going to look like. For a lot of people, it's their first time into court. So if you can imagine, like, it's your first time in court, you've either got to seek protection or you've got some sort of matter and you think, oh my gosh, it's so scary. It's, it's good to know the process and what's going to happen. Even things like knowing that there's going to be a security gate, that this is where the parking is, this is where the toilets are, can make a really big difference. So it might be I'll sit with them and go through some of their other non-legal needs while we're, we're waiting for their matter to be called. Or it might be making a list with them while we're waiting for a lawyer. They might say, well, you know, I want protection from this person. I'm seeking a protection order or a family violence order and we'll make a list of what to say to the lawyer or the important bits to bring up because if they've got a story this big, it's going to be really hard for them to condense it into one appointment so I can help them with that. It might even be, like, it's not necessarily me speaking for them. It's mm -hmm. helping people to speak up for themselves and that, like, that goes with them through their life as well, you know. The, the sort of ethos is help them do things for themselves and they'll be able to do things for themselves in their life and like the goal of the service is that they won't need the service anymore. Um, okay. So a lot of in-court support is in my role. So 
So how can lawyers help their clients understand mental health when they're giving advice or representing their client in court? Is there anything that lawyers should be aware of when speaking to a client, especially someone who might have a difficult history of mental health? I think for various clients, like stigma is really important to be aware of. So people or different people with their different experiences will have differing levels of, of stigma against like about mental health for other people or even for themselves. And so it's important to be aware that somebody might have some mental health stuff going on, but they might not have a diagnosis. They might not want to tell you the diagnosis, even if it's really, really useful for the matter. If it, it can just be, it can break trust if you really try and push to get that mental health diagnosis or even to get the diagnosis to be used in court. It can be a really scary thing for clients to do. It's really, it's one of the most vulnerable things about yourself. Like there was, I think there was a training the other day where uh, me and Angela, the culture, I mean the Aboriginal, no, Angela, the disability liaison officer we went to and they made us write down a secret on paper. And they said, write down a secret that you've never told anybody. So we wrote down, I think mine was like this big. And it was so scary. It was like, and then they made us, I, I was wondering like, what's going to happen with it? Is anyone going to see it? Like, what's going to be the outcome of this? And it was, I felt so vulnerable. And for a lot of clients saying, you know, I have, I have a mental health diagnosis or my mental health is not great. Feels like that. It's, it's really hard. So if someone's not coming to the table openly, uh, don't judge them. They're, it's a scary thing for working with people with mental health needs. It, like, it's great to do your research on if they say, I have this diagnosis, do a little bit of research. Like look on Google, look on different health websites to see are there particular strategies that might work. But think the easiest way to find out what someone needs is just to ask them so if someone says says to you well I have PTSD maybe ask them what can we do to make the court a safer space for you how can we make legal appointments better for you and maybe having a list of things that might help do they need ask them do you need an outdoor appointment do you need a room with windows do you need the chair near the door near the exit do you need to know where all the exits are, just so that you can feel safe. Do you want to bring a support person? Sometimes having tissues and, and some water can help people feel a little bit safer or just better taken care of. So sometimes mm. yeah. um, when people get really stressed, you know, it gets a little bit harder to breathe. So having some water can help them breathe a little bit better and also just have something else to focus on. Yeah. Um, something else that lawyers could do is have someone from the community liaison unit in there. Okay. So if, yeah. you know, you can always send a, ref a referral to us and say, you know, do you want to, or this person has agreed or has not, they don't know that we're asking you this yet, um, but I think it might be nice if you could help them with this, if you could sit them with, with them in court or in legal appointments. Yeah. So just to clarify, the referrals only come from solicitors in legal aid. In That's legal right. aid, yeah. yeah. So um, for lawyers outside of legal aid, maybe they could consider having support people in their firm or just having a, a paralegal dedicated to 
supporting clients when they interview? Would that be an interesting idea? Possibly. Like in other legal aid practices, they have, I think they're called allied health teams in other states and territories, but I know private law law firms do it here. I think there was a law firm recently, they touched base with us just to get an idea of what our non-legal team looks like. And they've got, they've got a social worker and a counsellor in theirs and you know they've got private funding and that they're, they're I think they're doing very well with it it's available to clients so it can be a really good model the socio-legal model okay can you break down important immediate steps that a lawyer can take when someone is in a crisis mode um it's that's a very big question <laughs> If someone's in crisis, so just just to be to clarify, I I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a counsellor, I'm not um, not a social worker either. But there are a few basic techniques that can help. They're not going to be applicable in every situation, as as with most things in life, it depends. So if someone's in crisis, stay calm. If you if your emotions get big, their emotions get bigger. If trying to yell at them to calm down doesn't always work, okay. doesn't usually work, yeah. rarely works. Um, but really staying calm and responding to what can we do right here? What can we do now? What is going to help? Sometimes getting into their legal matter and getting into their problem will just escalate them further. But there's there's different, different forms of what crisis means as well. So it could be that they're getting very angry and starting to yell it could be that they're they're crying and they're like very very upset about something that's happened or maybe another form of crisis could just be they're starting to shut down they're becoming nonverbal, or they're having some sort of trauma response to this or to that but staying calm and sometimes as as we learned in the accidental counselor training recently sometimes reflecting back the feelings reframing I can see that you're feeling this I can see I can hear this and validating without it's it's a tricky sort of topic but you know if if you've got a client that's starting to yell starting to get very angry you know you might say well yeah I can hear this really sucks I can hear how angry you are I can hear how frustrated you are you know I you've done I can see all these strengths that you've got you know you've come to an appointment at legal aid you've managed to pick up the courage to ask for help and I can see all these really positive steps that you've taken. Sometimes helping them with a solution can help, but not always. Sometimes okay. people don't want, or the maybe there's not a solution at the time, but just listening, being mm. there. And it's really important if you feel unsafe or if you feel it's about to be unsafe, you should try and ask for help. If there's a duress button, use that. If there's, you know, if you've got your mobile phone, maybe just text under the table to a colleague come and help me or or try and ask for help or even if you need a break trying trying to end it if it's just not going anywhere um with caution okay big big topic <laughs> sorry <laughs> what about a client what's help help methods might be available when they are feeling stressed or even like me as a lawyer i'm interviewing a client and i'm beginning to feel stressed what kind of things can I immediately do for myself I suppose it would be different for a client or a lawyer but if as a lawyer um, 
even just slowing things down, saying, all right, I just need, need a minute's process or saying, um, can I just stop you there? I've just got to take some notes. And then that gives everyone a chance to breathe, stop. Won't always work, but it could help. Um, if you're starting to feel stressed and if, if you're not really in a frame of mind to give the advice, maybe, maybe it's best not to keep going on with the appointment, but sometimes things like having, having something to draw on, having, having a focus point in the room. For clients, I think having a support person can be a really big thing. Maybe having a glass of water, taking a break. Even as a lawyer, you can redirect the conversation if you see your clients getting stressed, talking about something really stressful like a legal matter. You might say, you, you might say that you're doing it or not say that you're doing it, but if they're going on about their legal matter and it's getting getting up here, you might ask, ah, oh, I remember, you know, you told me about your kids. How's your kids' soccer game? Oh, you told me you like Pokemon. Oh, just got to tell you about this song that I heard the other day or this thing that I read. And it reminded me of you, or I thought this was really interesting. Just sort of veering the conversation off and coming back to the legal matter in a bit. So sometimes talking about something personal to them or something that they actually want to talk about can help calm them down. So for a lot of a lot of parents, I find asking them about their kids or, or talking about that can help de-escalate things a little bit. But breaks are really important giving them clear boundaries of what you can do, what you can't do. Maybe the start and the end of the appointment, giving warnings. All right, we've got 10 more minutes. What do you want to talk about? And help prevent some anxiety. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, what about stress in the workplace? You've already mentioned taking breaks. Um, and I think that's something applicable in the workplace yes. as well, to take breaks. <laughs> um, what can we do to maintain better, better mental health? There's, there's a lot that goes into this like on on the surface level self-care is really important so that might be things like you know doing keep going to the gym or, or starting to do some exercise seeing friends doing things that give you some sort of creative outlet um, you know walking your dogs doing the things that make you feel fulfilled or relax at ease if there if there is something like that sometimes doing those things can make it easier to feel like things are okay so but quite often those things that make us feel better are the things that also when we stop doing them make us feel worse and they make us feel less like doing them so it might be developing a self-care plan and writing down a list of things that you think might be able to help. So for me, it might be, you know, making sure that I play guitar, making sure that I walk my dogs. It might be things like getting up when my alarms start or not, you know, for a lot of people, it's not cancelling on friends. So there's, there's a balance with everything, but sometimes people will overcommit and rest is really important. Sometimes people will say, oh yeah, I deserve a rest. And then they'll just pull out of everything. And then by withdrawing from all their self-care activities, it doesn't go so well. Um, but it might be having a self-care plan. It might be taking your breaks at lunch, you know, leaving when you're supposed to, logging that flex time, putting the timesheet in accurately, and then taking the leave days. It might be going to bed at a time that works for you rather than 3 a.m. 
before 6pm. Um, it might be um, talking with your supervisor if things get rough, reaching out to the support services that you work got, whether that's some sort of EAP, whether that's your private counsellor, whether it's spending time with family and friends or saying, look, I need to talk, I need to chat. Might be debriefing with your supervisor after a particularly tricky client. There's, there's a lot of things that can be done that can help. Um, but And diet is a really good one as well. Often when people get start to get tired and start to burn out, they'll reach for the foods that make them feel energy, which might be not great foods, might be fast food, or maybe they'll eat less. But it's important to, to maintain a healthy diet for mental health as well. Okay. Mine's not very good. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you that my diet is not very good. I tend, I tend to get home and then go, oh no, I'm feel, I feel lazy. I'll get like Chinese takeout. Today. <laughs> yeah, but my mom, my mom bought me a new multi cooker, so I'm trying Ooh, to yeah. use that to motivate myself. Oh. Like, oh, there's a fancy cooker here. You better, you better use it. Yeah. Use it. I've used it to make rice. I don't know if that's very, oh, yeah. not very fancy, but rice is good. Yeah, oh, yeah. well, you've got it. You might one day use it. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm not allowed to buy any more cooking appliances. I have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, we're getting to the end of our podcast, but I thought at the end we can do um, an exercise together. Yeah. Just something that we could take away to help us with our mental health. So I'll let you guide us in a, an exercise. Yeah, so a really popular one is they call it the 54321 breathing ex or grounding exercise so it doesn't it doesn't really matter which order you do it in but it's generally looking at a few things and and focusing on what's around you what what is your experience in the moment and being present so sometimes it can just bring you back to the here and now and just make it a little bit easier so if we were to do it now um, what are five things you can see and just have a look around you. It might be colors, it might be objects, it might be textures. What are five things you can see? And then four things that you can hear. Can you hear the water running? Can you hear the vibration of something? Can you hear somebody tapping? Can you hear voices? What are three things you can feel? Is it, you can feel your back on the chair? Can you feel the temperature? Can you feel your feet on the ground? Is there wind? And then two things that you can smell. And then it's one thing you can taste. And so that is a really easy one to just feel grounded. So if you're in an appointment with a client or if you're just out in the world and feeling a little bit stressed, that can be something to just bring you back down. Great. Thank you so much, Ashlyn, for joining us today. It's been really great. Thanks for having me. No worries. Thanks. <laughs>